Welcome back to another episode of Mentored Minds. Today, I am very excited to talk to Carolina Uribe Gosselin. She's a program manager at a top tech company focusing on cloud solutions and co-founded a development program for students to explore their passions in tech, including topics such as artificial intelligence, virtual reality, web dev, robotics, and much more. Today, we'll learn about the steps she took to start this program at her university and what she learned about leading a team towards success. Hi, Caro, and welcome to our podcast. So, Caro, before we jump into what we're going to be like talking about and the different topics, we have a tradition, and I, I know that you've heard some of our podcasts because we were talking about it earlier, and our tradition is to talk about our wins of the week. I would love if you could kickstart us and talk about something that you've accomplished this week. Yeah, for sure. And I love this tradition that you all have. I think it's so sweet to like start off with on a fresh note like that. For me personally, this week was quite busy, but my team is preparing for a conference. So we have an upcoming conference that we're sponsors of, and we have a couple speaking sessions. And I volunteered for one of them, and I'm partnering up with one of the engineering managers. And we didn't have as much time to put together the content. And this whole week, we've just spent so much time investigating, like, you know, what do our, you know, the audience, what do they want to hear, what will be valuable for them. And we just kept going back and forth because there was so much that we wanted to cover. And we were pivoting, we would like scrap content we have and just do like a whole 180 on it. And as of yesterday, we actually came together and finalized content that we were just genuinely proud of and felt really great about the flow. So I feel like that was a win for me just because the week, there's just so much going back and forth and just coming and ending the week with like, wow, this, this content is going to be really helpful for our listeners. And I think people are going to take a lot out of it was really rewarding to collaborate with her and then collaborate with my team on that content. That's awesome. Yeah. Shayla, would you like to go next? So my one of the week would be that this week was my birthday. And so I got to have a nice day. We're still like a pretty quarantined birthday, but I was able to like hang out with my parents and we passed by a plant nursery and it was just a really nice day. So I guess that would be my win of the week. It's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> so my win of the week. So I've actually had an equally stressful to successful win of the week. And I would say that I'm going to choose something that I haven't done in a while. And I took time to learn about more technical aspects of my job than I normally do. So, you know, my job is technical by nature, but it's more like, hey, we're building a tool to enable other people. I spent a lot of time today reading research papers, blogs, even trying to get my hands dirty with how you would go end to end in building a machine learning model, right? Like, what are the different steps? What are like the technicalities? How do they affect? And I don't know, I just, it was fun to um, not just be on the side of building the tool, but on the side of applying stuff. Mm -hmm. and, and I felt like it was my my little growth time, my, my learning time. Um, and it's crazy that I even had time to do this, but I'm <laughs> glad that I made time for myself. So that's my win of the week. That's great. So we can go ahead and uh, go straight into kind of the topic. We're going to be talking to Carolina about SparkDev, which she will tell us all about. But essentially what we want to get out of this session is Carolina's success with starting a club and really an organization. Um, some of the challenges that she faced and ultimately how you guys can be successful or have like some starting tips. So we're going to go through all of that throughout this session. But first and foremost, what I would love to know, Carolina, is like, what was your motivation for starting a club? 
Yeah, of course. So early on, so for background, I studied computer science in university and which was something that I was really passionate about. And I was, we had opportunities in our classrooms to learn about the fundamentals of computer science and the theory of it. But at that time I was a little involved in an organization on campus called Epsilon Pi Epsilon, which is a computer science organization. And something that I really enjoyed about this organization is that every Friday we had a workshop on, you know, cutting edge or new technology such as virtual reality, artificial intelligence, game development, um, just like some new and exciting things that we weren't as much focusing on in our day to day because we were learning a different side of it. And I was like, this is so fun. I love this. And I ended up getting a bit involved in helping coordinate some of those. But I still felt like I was missing something. I was, you know, thinking like, this is great. We have one session, maybe a second session on these topics, but I want to keep working with this technology. I want to develop it even further, you know, make a project out of it, something that I can feel proud of. And that's, but then I was like, okay, maybe I'll just do it myself. I'll figure it out. Like I have the stepping stones to have the interest um, and I can just do the rest. But that proved to be a bit more challenging than I expected. Um, it's hard when you're balancing work, classes, um, just your well being. And it was hard to motivate myself on my, you know, if there is any spare time to work on a project and to do it alone. So I was talking to leadership in this organization that we had about my frustrations. And they're like, I want to do this, but I just don't know how. I really want to build something. And this, the president of this organization was like, hey, there's someone who has this exact same idea. He feels the exact same way as you do. How about you, how about I connect you to? And he ended up doing that. And from there, me and this person just completely connected. We had the exact same vision and we're like, let's make this happen. So from there, we just figured out what we need to do. We didn't have all the answers, but we knew we wanted to create a development program where students can come together and in a stress-free environment, just build projects, learn things they're curious about. And there's no consequences if they don't complete it. There's no grades for it. It's just a time for you to have fun and be curious. Uh, we sort of described it as like a sandbox. That's great. So what was the first thing that you did to get started? So after you had this idea with the partner of yours, like what was the first thing that you had to do? Did you have to get any funding or did you need like any other kind of approval? Yeah, of course. So the person that I was connected to had actually already did some of the groundwork. The program wasn't existing yet, the sub-program, but he had already done some research, the you know, weeks or months prior to the first semester that we ran this program. So from there, we just kind of connected on how to tie all this together. Because like I said, we have this idea, like we want students to come together, but we need some structure. So I think that was part of like where I came in to help figure that out. And that's sort of where we landed on it, you know, collaborating with Epsilon Pi Epsilon to make this happen because Epsilon Pi Epsilon was already really involved with, you know, students on campus. So how can we connect with them to tap into those students, you know, to, to expose it, to bring awareness so people would join. I think that was part of the next step for us. Um, and the structure that we landed on is this nine week long development program. We realized nine weeks was a sweet spot for us because, you know, I think a semester is like 16 weeks long, but as I mentioned earlier, things get stressful, like school. <laughs> uh, so we wanted to have some, a week or two 
early on in the semester to just start the program, advertise it. And then we would have nine weeks of the program, which would land perfectly right before finals, where you have a couple of weeks to prepare for finals and have some sanity in your life. Um, and then have a couple of events throughout that time. So for us, I think it was just figuring out, you know, how would that process look? How would we recruit students? You know, like you mentioned, funding too. Funding, of course, is a big component of it, which happy to go into detail later, but there are, we had teams like robotics and VR where they need some pretty expensive technology. Um, how can we do that? How can we source that without any money? <laughs> Fortunately for us, since I said we are part of that organization who raises a lot of money, uh, we were able to take a little bit of advantage of that. But at the same time, I remember because it was a new organization and it wasn't perfectly organized the first few semesters, there were things that were paid out of pocket for ordering pizzas or ordering stickers that came from either his pocket or sometimes my pocket. But if we gave advance notice, we had that organization to support us. And then beyond that, for the tech early on, we had people who would either donate tech or people who were on the teams would bring in their own tech and we just had to get a little, a little creative. So quick question for you, because I have also started a club like, you know, also under the same uh, organization. And I, I do know the out of, out of pocket, uh, you know, struggle, but I'm more interested right now out of all the things you said, what kind of skill sets do you think you either needed or developed throughout this entire process? Because you're talking about research beforehand, you're talking about um, budgeting, you're talking about organization, but can, can you give me more of an idea of what you personally learned or needed? Yes, I like unofficially learned customer interviews <laughs> and how to just interview people and I'm an interview like in a not a formal setting, but just talking to people and understanding like what their needs are. I think that ended up being a big skill because we can assume as much as we want, but it might not be exactly what everyone else wants. So I think that was a valuable learning experience for me as uh, to talk to the members, the leads, the people who are involved in SparkDev um, and have that communication understand that what you think is right is not always the best choice, the best answer, and working with people too. So I think that's part of it. And then the other half is also working with people because to make this organization happen, we had a committee. Um, and how can we all collaborate as a committee, share our different opinions, our different ideas, and take in the feedback from the members as well. So I think those were two big skills I learned, like feedback, iterating on that, and then also just working with people. It's a hard skill, that second one. <laughs> it is, honestly. And how did you how did you learn to properly delegate all these kinds of different works that you had to put together? Yeah, of course. So I, I love this question because I think when we first started, so the person that I started this organization with, he took the role as director and everyone else was on the committee. We just kind of called them committee members, including myself as we started. And that just didn't really give us much guidance we were all just like, oh, who can do this today? Who could do that tomorrow? And there was just no structure to it. There was no ownership of what needs to get done. Uh, and we ended up thinking like, hey, we sh very obvious, but we should have roles for everyone in the committee. So it's really clear what every person is responsible for. And then whatever cadence that we meet together, we can talk about those different tasks that we have. There are of course shared goals, shared tasks that will come in this organization. Um, but just assigning titles to us, I think, helped a lot the following semester. So, you know, having an event coordinator, having someone who's in charge of getting resources for the team members, 
having someone, we actually for a while had people who would just go to team meetings sometimes. And that included some people on the committee, but we also had people who would just go to the team meetings to see how they were doing and check in on them. But just having those different role titles helped us a lot uh, just to have that clear delegation of who should be doing what. That definitely was a big help for us. And I've seen that grow into the teams as well. So for example, we actually had teams, I think the AI team at one point started breaking it up based off one sub team would do research, one sub team would work on data and that helped them as well figure out who should be working on what. And then they actually did cycles too or rotations. So maybe for like three weeks you're on this team and the next three weeks you're on the other team and so on. Um, so yeah. I feel like just having clear responsibilities for each person is what helped the most delegate things. I think that's really funny just because we would think that assigning responsibilities is like the first thing we do, but it's not, right? It, it really isn't natural in, in industry, in clubs, in group projects. We just go in like, here's all the work we want to do. Let's just do it. You know, it, we get messy really fast. So I think that's actually a really good point. And that kind of ties me into my next question, but I think Shayla, you wanted to add something first? Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to point out just that how good of an idea that was because I was fortunate enough to be part of SparkDev when I was an undergrad and it was the first time that I had to kind of so I was the lead for the AI team so what I really enjoyed about the whole program was the flexibility that they gave all the different teams they provided enough structure to kind of like put it together but in terms of how to complete the project in those nine weeks, there was complete flexibility. And my approach when we started was just, I'm going to take like two weeks to just teach the AI basics that we need to know. So like the general like neural network foundations. And then after that, I kind of was like, let's just do everything together. And so it was the same, it like not assigning any, like we were all just committee members. We were all just members of the AI team and then we're just going to get together and we're all going to do it together. And that was not the best way because nothing was being delegated. So everybody was just kind of like, so what do I do? And I was like, we're all doing it together. And they were like, I don't, I don't understand. And so, and from there, so the, the future AI teams, one of the lead of that project was in my group. And I think that he figured it out. (laughs) <laughs> that he was like, if we're going to be able to do this better the next semester, we're going to have to like completely divide it into you work with the data, you work with the models. But I, that wasn't my intuition, like when I started mm-hmm. and that like just presented so many hurdles for completing the project later on, not only because nobody knew what they should be doing, but because since we were all kind of doing it together, if someone was left behind or someone like needed to catch up, we all kind of were held back because then we, because you know, we all had to do it together. So definitely just assigning roles is such a good way to delegate work. And I had no idea. Yeah, no, and for sure. I think that's something that wasn't just you. I think that happens to a lot of teams, especially because, you know, as a Spark Dev, I would like to mention as well is it was originally mostly geared towards beginners. So people who did not know much about that technology, but were curious about it. And it kind of developed where we did have experts and people who were a little more advanced, but, and then we actually created advanced teams, but in those beginner teams, it's kind of hard to create roles too, because no one is an expert yet in those topics. So if you're just putting them into these roles, that's also challenging early on. Like, how do you manage that? Like, here's a group of people who are working on data, but who've never worked on data before. And you as a lead can help guide them, but it's also challenging too to just 
to handle all of that when everyone's learning this technology for the first time. And they might be curious to learn about all those roles right from the beginning, which is why I can see, you know, why people would enjoy doing everything, but it does get a little bit chaotic as well. Yeah. Yeah. So the question I had, and it might be exactly this, but I want to ask it to see what else um, might be on your plate. Can you talk to us about the biggest challenges you faced, um, either for starting up a program in general, finding motivation in the people, or just keeping it alive? Like whatever you think is relevant. Can you talk to us about some challenges? Yeah, of course. I think one of the larger challenges was exactly on retention. So we have this program and we would send out we have the applications and we only accept a certain amount of people, but we would see drop rates throughout the semester. And that was a challenge because we, we want to see everyone complete it. We always say in SparkDev, the end project isn't what the goal is. It's more what you learn and the journey to get there. We're not looking for a shiny finished project. We do have like a demo day at the end of the semester. If you can showcase their work, but they should showcase whatever they're proud of. Um, even if it's not complete is sort of what we tell our, our members. So I was curious, like, you know, why were people dropping throughout the program and understanding those reasons and trying to, where it's possible to prevent them from dropping. And that's sort of where I more dived into like, the imposter syndrome, because there were just people who felt they weren't, maybe they didn't feel like they had the right tool set, the right technology, the knowledge, whatever it may be. There were just people who didn't feel as confident, so they just left sometimes. There were people who were like, my workload just got crazy with classes and I couldn't handle it anymore. And I think that was just challenging. Like, how can I support these people where they feel they can complete the program and get something out of it and have fun? Because this is not meant to be a stressful thing at all. Like, this should be relaxing to you. This should be intellectually fun for you. So I think that was challenging is addressing those concerns and trying to decrease the drop rate that we saw in the program. And I think that just really involved talking to team members. So we would have, it's not perfect every time, but we would talk to leads and say like, hey, if you start noticing people not showing up, like feel free to reach out to them or connect them to us. We can personally talk to them one-on-one and see why they can't be a member anymore or why they don't feel like they should be in this team anymore. And sometimes it was just, oh, this is really cool, but I want to be on another team because I saw what this team is doing and that sounds really cool. And instead of telling someone that, someone they would just leave the program. So I think I think that was challenging, just figuring out why people are leaving, how can we keep them, where should they go so they can be happier, whether it's that same team or another team. Very fair. So what did you learn throughout this process and uh, starting this club? I think there was a couple different learnings. I think one of them is to understand your goals of whatever you're creating um, and be able to communicate them so everyone's aware of that. I think that's an important learning that we had. Like I mentioned, this should be stress-free. This should be fun. The completed project is not a goal. Your learning is what's a goal. Um, I think that was important to communicate with people so they did not feel stressed going throughout the program and that they had fun. So I think that's an important learning that I had. And then also in terms from a committee standpoint or someone who's organizing something, it's definitely important to have like a rough idea or rough plan of how that semester is going to look. That's a little challenging when you're getting started because you don't even know what you're doing yet completely. But when you, it's okay if plans deviate and things change, but just having a rough idea of what that semester should look like in terms of milestones is really important. And I think in the beginning we weren't doing that as well and it ended up being more stressful for us because 
one, we didn't know when things were happening. We didn't maybe know when should we work on this PowerPoint or this form or these, you know, tasks. When should we check in with these people? Not having those milestones in a calendar, let's say. Uh, it's easy to forget them when you're studying for midterms and working and doing everything else that you're doing in life. So setting those milestones, I think, is another learning that we had. And, you know, to give context to the listeners, uh, Spark Dev started with four teams and about 40 participants. And, you know, as of right when I was leaving, I think we had 12 teams and like over 200 people. So we did see a great amount of growth over the year since we had started. And I think we learned a lot each semester. <laughs> and Towards the last couple semesters, we did have a good plan of when should these milestones be hitting. Um, and it made it a lot easier for us in the semester to not be stressed and just made the flow 10 times better. So I'd say that was another learning. And then also to just be obsessed with your customer or your members, whatever in your scenario that may be, uh, be obsessed with them. Know what they care about, know what their needs are, know how you can dress them and support them. And take action on that, I would say is another learning I took. From what you're describing in terms of your contributions and what you've learned and the skills that you've picked up, it sounds like it's all very relevant to being a program manager. Do you felt like that kind of, this is kind of unrelated, but do you feel like that experience was what was what really inspired you to become a program manager? To be honest, yes. So I definitely took advantage of internship opportunities throughout undergrad. And, you know, being a CS major, of course, I, I went straight forward to a lot of software engineering roles. But as I was going through SparkDev and I was going through, you know, these member, member customer obsession and just iterating and improving a program, coordinating, you know, that scale and the growth of the program, I was like, hmm, I don't know exactly what this is because, like, you know, program management isn't as much talked about in undergrad. But I was like, I like what I'm doing here. And if I can have a career as something that's maybe not necessarily exactly like this, but in a similar way, that sounds like a dream job to me. That sounds like I will just be genuinely happy in my day to day. And then that's towards the end of my undergraduate experiences. I got two PM internships. So I was like, I cannot graduate until I've had a PM internship so I can experience um, what it takes to, to be a PM. Uh, so I think SparkDev did encourage me to want to try out those opportunities. And I ended up falling in love with program management. And that's the career that I have right now uh, since I've graduated. I think that was a that's great so question. Cool. Honestly, Shayla, the, that's a really good point. Because I've actually noticed the trend of the folks that I know that want to be PMs. They tend to have been very, very involved in something outside of their schoolwork versus the people who I know really want to go into development, either one just schoolwork or they're very deeply involved in their schoolwork and that project related to something they learned in school or that hackathon. But the person who's organizing the hackathon, the person who's bringing together communities, mm -hmm. they tend, and here's my logic, here's what I think, and I might be completely wrong, is I once had a mentor who told me, um, you're never going to have the perfect job. It doesn't exist. But what you can do is find the things you really love and incorporate them into any job. And I think that's what PMs are trying to do. It's like, we know we love tech. Now, how do we bring all the other things we love into a tech role? So cool. Yeah, because I, I don't really know much about program management. I just know from like learning from Sabina, but it seems like you both are perfect for the role and just <gasps> yeah. amazing at it. No, seriously. Yeah, this is I'm always blushing when she talks to me. I'm like, so. <laughs> so the last question that I think we have for you, and, and like I told you, I'd really love to leave 
uh, listeners with some actionable tidbits. What are some final tips for starting my own organization or club? So I think find what you love and what you care about is going to help guide you throughout that process. I think if you're just thinking, oh, I want to build an organization for X, Y, Z reasons, if it's not authentic to you and matters to you, you're not going to enjoy it as much. It's going to feel like a chore. You're not going to put your full effort into it. But if you take time to reflect on like what issues matter to me, you're going to figure out what you want to do, whatever that may be, like having a small startup or building an organization. You're just going to be a lot happier. I think when we're going through so much in life, you don't want to just add something else into your plate that's going to cause you to stress and be an impact on your mental wellness. So I would say, yeah, I think just figure out what problems matter to you and try to address them. Like, for example, like I mentioned with SparkDev, me and this other person, we found a gap in our exper- educational experiences and we decided that we want to address that. And that was just really important to us. And we had direct experience with it. Uh, so I would say, yeah, just do, do what matters to you. And you'll just, you'll feel a lot happier with that. Even if internships and jobs, uh, I know it's challenging to find jobs. I know it's challenging to get into what you're passionate about, but, you know, try to put in that effort to get that, to land that role, land that position, start an organization, whatever that may be for you, uh, you'll feel a million times better. Awesome. The, the, the feedback, I don't know if it reminds you, I get, I listen to a lot of podcasts, so maybe that's me, but it also reminds me of the starter tips for starting a startup. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very similar. I don't know how much you guys have heard of those, but um, Carol, thank you so much for, for your time, for your insight, your inspiration. This was absolutely fantastic. And I hope we get to talk to you um, sometime in the future about more amazing things that you get to accomplish in life because you really are like a superstar. <laughs> So true. I, you have so many insights onto so many things that we could learn from. So, and one of that's like not so helpful for people that they're like, oh man, so I got to pay out of pocket or have an organization <laughs> to give me money. You know, so I thought those, that wasn't really helpful for people. I mean, it is. No, but I think what you mentioned, even though you did say that you have to get some things out of pocket, I think the fact that you said that you can stick to an organization that's already established to kind of yeah. get you to do what you want is still really helpful. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Cool. Just want to check. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, thank you for checking. No, I'm happy to come back for any other podcast that you guys are thinking about. And I've enjoyed listening to many of, I think I've listened to almost all of your podcast episodes, but just you guys touched upon a lot of really helpful topics. I love the productivity one um, in particular, just because I am so obsessed over productivity and figuring out what works for me. And I, I liked how you guys in that session talked about too, you know, it's not like, a one, not like a one size fits all. I need to figure out what works best for you. I think that was really valuable. Um, so yeah, happy to come back for any future episodes. Awesome. Before we wrap up, Caro, I know that you have recently started a jewelry making business. Yes. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that just in case any listeners want to check it out? Yes, of course. So I love art. <laughs> I always have growing up. I've loved painting. I loved sketching. I just loved creating. And I felt in university that kind of took the back seat, which is a little sad, but at the same time, it was just so much was happening that I didn't have time to do it. Uh, but once I had graduated and, you know, the quarantine hit and I didn't have to commute to work or commute anywhere, I did find myself with more time. So I started to create jewelry out of clay. And that was just so much fun for me. I 
would spend my weekends or my evenings, and I still do to this day, just taking slabs of clay and seeing what I can make out of it. I've also made like coasters and jewelry holders, and it's just so fun um, to take a to men- mental break and just be creative. Mixing a lot of different stuff to now beads as well. But yeah, so if, if anyone's interested in clay jewelry, it tends to be a little funky sometimes. They'll be like larger pieces, smaller pieces, but they'll be funky and fun colors. And where can we find this information? Do you want to talk to your handle or your... Yeah, so I I have an Etsy shop and I have an Instagram. The Instagram is Carolina's Gifts and Decor. Awesome, awesome. Carol, thank you so much. Thank you.